Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. I did a story a while back about a guy canoeing while inebriated, and I'm not exactly sure what the basis of that story was. It was a couple of years ago. But many of my longtime followers know that I have a, uh, I have a canoe myself. I've got a 17-foot aluminum Grumman canoe, and I've got a five-horsepower motor for it. <laughs> so I don't do a lot of paddling with it. I, I just tend to go out and putter around and look at stuff. But uh, Rob sent me notes that Steve checked story out out of Canada. Catherine McDonald wrote this for Global News. Appeal dismissed in precedent-setting deadly impaired operation of a canoe case. The case was brought against somebody operating a canoe allegedly while they were impaired and that person was convicted they took an appeal and the appeal was dismissed and so this is happening in canada the procedure is probably a little different with some of the terminology but ontario's highest court ontario's highest court has dismissed an appeal by a man found guilty and sentenced to six years in prison for impaired operation of a vessel and criminal negligence causing a death of an eight-year-old and here's the thing We often talk about vehicles, and if it's on the water, we talk about vessels. On April 7th, 2017, the man was at a friend's cottage on a river in the town of Bracebridge and took his girlfriend's son canoeing on the river during a spring runoff. The water was frigid and moving swiftly, and the child did not know how to canoe and was not a good swimmer. The man and the child were paddling toward High Falls, to retrieve a piece of debris wedged against a yellow barrier, warning of danger due to the high falls, and the canoe capsized. The eight-year-old was swept over the falls and passed away. The man managed to swim to shore, and he had a blood alcohol content of 128 milligrams in 100 milliliters of blood, more than one and a half times the legal limit. Uh, On June 27, 2019, the man was convicted And on October 4th, 2019, he was sentenced to six years in prison. In May, his lawyers argued before the Court of Appeals of Ontario that a canoe is not a vessel under the criminal code. They also argued that his right to counsel was infringed by the failure of police to advise him of his rights to counsel before the approved screening device. And there was no expert evidence as the standard of care on which a conviction of criminal negligence could be based The man also argued that the sentence is manifestly unfit. The Court of Appeals agreed with the trial judge who concluded that a canoe is a vessel under the criminal code. In their decision, the justices wrote that the object of the enactment is to protect the public from the consequences of impaired operation of conveyances on the water. Conveyances on the water. So it could be a boat, could be a a barge of some sort. Uh, It could be uh, a personal watercraft. Impairment creates risks to passengers of a canoe, other watercraft, swimmers, and first responders. Unlicensed conveyances, non-muscular powered vehicles, and sailboats pose a risk of injury and death just as licensed and motor powered conveyances do. So they're saying, I guess the argument was that the canoe didn't require a license to operate or didn't need to have a boating license on the boat itself. Now, I'll tell you right now that my canoe, I actually have a license for it, an MC number, they call it, in Michigan, because all the boat identification stuff starts with the letters MC to indicate that you're from Michigan. We use a different code than the postal code. Don't know why. But my MC number is on the side of my canoe on both sides. And I did that because my canoe is motorized. 
But if the canoe was not motorized, I don't believe I would be required to have the MC number on it. But I did it anyway because it identifies the canoe. So theoretically, if someone stole my canoe, I have, a, I think, a slightly better chance of having it recovered because it's got an MC number on it and it's registered with a hull number with the state, believe it or not. My canoe has a hull number. Regarding whether expert evidence was required to convict the man of criminal negligence, the judges found that expert evidence was not necessary given the extensive findings by the trial judge. Those include the fact that the outside temperature is between 3 and 4 degrees Celsius on April 7th. School buses had been canceled because of slush and ice on the roads. The spring snowmelt was in full force and the water level was high. The temperature of that river was frigid and cold. Now, the man was cautioned by at least two people experienced with water conditions not to go canoeing because it was too dangerous during the spring runoff. The life jacket that the boy wore was too small. The uh, man in question here had consumed alcohol and had also smoked cannabis before the canoe trip. Now, the child looked up to the appellant as a father figure, and this relationship with the man created a duty of care for the appellant towards the child. I would also argue he's got a duty of care for the child once he's on board the canoe. And I understand this whole bit about you know the law of the sea and maritime rules and stuff might not seem to apply in a canoe. But my canoe, when I'm in my canoe and I've got someone in there with me, a passenger, they are a guest. And I assure you, my number one concern is keep them safe. Number two, me. Number three, the canoe. Okay? So I often tell my passengers, just to let you know, my number one job today is you're not going swimming. Court of Appeal agreed with the trial judge that a six-year sentence was appropriate, noting that the uh, man had a lengthy criminal record and the appellant's role as a father figure to the decedent, which put him in a position of trust and authority. The appellate judges pointed out that denunciation and general deterrence are the paramount sentencing principles. In motor vehicle cases, saying it applies equally to vessels. So they're not saying this canoe is a motor vehicle. They're saying it's a vessel. But they're saying there's a parallel between what can happen in a vessel on the water and what can happen in a motor vehicle on the road. The fact that the conveyance here was a canoe did not detract from the potential danger posed by impaired operation and criminal negligence in its operation. The judges wrote, noting the seriousness of the offenses as high as was the appellant's moral blameworthiness. The man surrendered into custody Tuesday morning will begin serving his sentence. He has 60 days to file an application for leave to appeal with the Supreme Court. His lawyer declined a request for comment on whether they're going to do that or not. The family of the child told Global News they're relieved. Justice is what we wanted. I'm in shock. I'm shaking, said the boy's grandmother, who is still grieving the loss of her grandchild. Uh, she said, I'm so happy he's in jail. You have no idea. Even though I am crying for my grandson. So the appeal's been dismissed. So the conviction stands. And the guy could appeal it to the Supreme Court of Canada, which I think sounds a lot like the same thing in America, where you can ask them to hear your case. They don't have to. Uh, and we'd see what happens if they do that. But you got six years in prison for... Uh, operating a canoe with too much alcohol in his system. And he was involved in an incident in which the passenger in his canoe, who was a child, uh, drowned. And it's a tragedy all the way around. 
But when you hear the story, you, you know, you can see it's coming from a mile away because they're talking about all the water is up because of all the snow and ice that's melting. Plus, there's also snow, ice, and slush in the water itself. And that's one of the problems with a canoe is canoes are interesting in that they go so many places. They have such a shallow draft. But that also makes them kind of prone to being tippy. And also, also, if they hit something that's submerged or something that's floating that pushes them, they're very easy to knock off course and very easy to actually go over. And um, if people warned him not to go on the river, and it's only three or four degrees Celsius above freezing, those are dangerous, dangerous boating conditions. And um, in a river near a dam, all kinds of other problems here. I've had my canoe in extremely cold weather before where I took it out in October. And I'm going, for instance, up the Tequamanon River in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, where the air temperature was right around freezing. Now, that river was glassy smooth. And there was no snow, no ice, no nothing, no obstacles of any sort. But the air temperature was extremely cold. And the water temperature was not far off. Now, there's a phenomenon, of course, that occurs where you can have the air temperature be colder than the water temperature. So it might be that if you went into the water on a day like I'm talking about, you aren't necessarily going to freeze to death right away. But there's a problem. If you go in the water and you get soaking wet, you got to get out of the water. And if your canoe got swamped and you can't get it to a shore where you can flip it over, dry it out, and get back in it, you might have a long hike in freezing conditions with wet clothing on. So all kinds of bad things can happen. So people often forget how dangerous things can be on the water. And it sounds like these conditions were treacherous. And the fact that it resulted in loss of life, I think six years in prison might be a little on the shy side of what some people think might be appropriate. So uh, Global News and Catherine McDonald reported this. Rob sent it. Thanks a lot. Appeal dismissed and precedent setting deadly impaired operation of a canoe case. And the court specifically found that a canoe is a vessel, just like anything else on the water. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. The surest way to escape anxiety and defeat despair is action. Do. Don't dwell.